I want to just share this morning that I think there is nothing more annoying than a board game that's missing one piece. Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah. Anybody ever open up Yahtzee and not have enough dice, right? You know, so maybe you go to the Monopoly game and you take that dice and then you, you look at its pieces and who uses the iron, right? What, what's, who wants to be an iron when you play Monopoly? And then you've got to take two hours to even get through the game before somebody just flips over the board and calls it a day, right? But the truth of the matter is when a, when a board game is missing a piece, it's just annoying, You've got to find some sort of way to make something else work, something else to, to play its part. And, and may, maybe you like to play sorry, or maybe you like to play trouble, and sometimes those pieces can be interchangeable, right? They're kind of similar in some ways. But the truth of the matter is, when you set out to play a board game, you want all the pieces to be in the box so that everything can play the way it's supposed to. And I think about that a little bit, and we want to talk about spiritual gifts, and some of you are going, oh, wow, he started with missing a piece of board games is annoying. So what's he going to talk about being annoying here? The truth of the matter is, I think it may be God's annoyance that sometimes he's gifted so many of us and we don't put our gifts to use. Don't you? Can we say that? I mean, I don't mean to be offensive to anybody here, but I want you to know that God has gifted and empowered you by his Holy Spirit so that you would have a place within his family, not just to belong but to contribute, to make a difference. We've been talking about habits. This is our second week as we've been talking about it. And what we've talked about are these, these decisions that we make that we live out a little bit at a time, day after day, becoming more and more like Jesus. And when we began to talk about this, we said, you know, there's, a, there's several habits, there's disciplines, there's acts of obedience that we need to live back to God. And it's important that we understand how those play into the local church. And so today I want to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts, but the place of these habits or disciplines are not just simply for something to do, but it's this point. The point of the do is to lead you to the who. Now, I didn't come up with that, okay? That's Eric. You know, that's all Eric. He likes everything to rhyme and everything to fit on a mug, you know? So that's his, right? Right? It makes sense, though. That we don't do it just to do it. We don't, we don't have a, a religion or a following after Jesus that's just about doing all these practices to make God love us. No, when we live out these rhythms, these disciplines, we begin to know the very character of God and we begin to live and look much more like God. And that's what we want to do. We want to know that every spiritual discipline is a tool to draw us closer to God, to be transformed, to be molded by the grace of God. And it's God's grace. It's God's grace that has changed us and continues to change us day after day after day. We grow. We mature. And eventually, people don't see us. And they begin to recognize Jesus. And that's what the Christian walk is so much about. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles today, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 12. I think you're going to be encouraged by this passage today. I know I have been this week. But 1 Corinthians 12 gives some great insight to what it means to have a spiritual gift, how it plays out in our faith community, how it impacts our lives individually, and ultimately how it changes the world. Now, uh, the, the person writing this book is writing a letter specifically to a church in Corinth. It's a new church that he's helped plant. His name is Paul. He came to faith after living a life he thought was after God, only to find he had been rebelling against God. And in that moment, surrender, surrenders his life and starts on a new trajectory. He becomes a revolutionary leader to the early church. 
begins to reach people who are far from God, uh, people and groups who had yet to even hear about the love of Jesus. And through his life, he helps plant this young church. And so this young church plant is beginning to understand how they fit within the overall scope of what we call the kingdom of God, the larger movement of what God is doing around our world. And Paul is actually beginning to, to write some things to settle some disputes and some arguments. Imagine that even a young church has fights and arguments among it, right? And so Paul says, hey, this is what families do. We do fight but we grow through it. We work through it. We allow God to change us. And he begins to talk about the one piece that tends to change everything. It's God's spirit in us. That when we gave our life to Christ, oh, we didn't sign up just for behavior modification to try and act a certain way. We signed up to a surrender to the life of Jesus and his will and his way is how we're called to live. And he begins to lay out this concept of different and yet the same when talking about spiritual gifts. So let's look at this passage, 1 Corinthians 12. We want to start in verses 4 and 5, and here's what it says. There are different kind of gifts, but the same Spirit dis distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same work of God. Paul's trying to lay out this idea of spiritual gifts. And as we talked last week about this idea of where we get the word charisma, this gift, it's almost better if we use this idea of endowment. That God has made an investment that is going to continue to play out and play out and bring benefits not only for your growth, but for the people around you. Paul understands that there is this different and same mentality that's out there. We, we have different gifts. We have different service, the way that we would express those gifts. We, work, we have different workings or different outcomes on how it's impacting people around us. But there is a sameness that's happening at the same time. It is God's spirit, the same spirit, the Lord, that is at work in every single one of us. So none of us, none of us, are, short, are shorted from God's strength or God's power or God's ability. But here's the understanding. God gives gifts to those living in the Spirit. God gives gifts to those living in the Spirit. Now, we could take this message a lot of ways, right? Because it's qualified. That you can do acts of charity, and you can be a, a nice person, and you can better yourself and the way that you're thinking, but Paul is describing something different. Paul is describing your life being the conduit for God's will and God's way to work through you. And so the gifts that you have are now going to be leveraged in different ways, going to be serving in different ways. And so can I, can I speak to some people in the room here? One of the differences about Christianity is that we believe that it's not by our strength or by our might or by our ability. We believe that while we can do many great things on our own, it is the power of God that works within us, changes us, transforms us. And so it gives an inclusive understanding when, when Paul begins to speak very clearly that it's, it's the power of God working in all believers. And 
it can be understood that if, if you've not surrendered your life to God and God's spirit is not at work in you, these spiritual gifts will seem foreign to you. You understand what I'm saying? But those of us who have given our life to Christ, it should be a natural response that what God is doing in us is going through us and impacting the people around us. That's what Paul is trying to say. See, God doesn't want clones. God's not looking for uh, everybody in this environment to do the exact same thing, but he's saying there is a theology of difference. <laughs> of difference. God's calling us to unity, not uniformity, right? I mean, heaven forbid this church become a bunch of clones. I mean, we don't want a bunch of dandy shafters running around, right? right? That, that, that'd be a nightmare, right? Some of you aren't saying, yeah, I mean, do you... You don't want to be me. I'll just be honest with you, okay? But throughout this series, we're going to be un begin to unpack on how your unique gifts and your unique abilities and your unique talents and your unique life and your unique history, when empowered by the Holy Spirit, has the ability to change, transform, and impact people that you have no clue you might reach. And so the question becomes, is God, is God's Spirit driving us? Is God's spirit beginning to shape us? Because what begins to happen in this theology of difference, we're reminded that we all have the same spirit, that God's spirit is working in all of us for the same intention, for the same direction, for the same mission, for the same purpose. And every Christ follower from every church, in every community, in every country, on every side of this big marble are heading for the same thing. God's growth in us. For God's glory and the world's blessing. So let's begin to embrace these, uh, these difference, these things that are different about all of us. Whether it be our spiritual gifts, our gender, our race, our socioeconomic dynamics, our backgrounds, our professions, all these differences begin to find mission and purpose through Jesus, the same spirit. Now Paul begins to follow along in the next few verses. And he uses a big illustration. He says, you know what? The church is like the body of Christ. We're all parts. We all have different roles or different pieces, but we all connect for the same health. Here's what it says. If you pick up in, in verse uh, 15 of, of, of chapter 12, it says this. Now, this is kind of funny, okay? It's okay to laugh when you hear this scripture. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for some reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If we were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seemed weaker are actually indispensable. It's humorous that Paul writes this way, and I think this is the beauty of God's penmanship throughout Scripture. Because I get that, right? 
Your hand just can't walk away from its body and survive. Your heart can't just decide to go do its own thing and the body lives, right? We're all interconnected, right? So let's just, maybe you're not tracking with what I'm saying. So let's, let's all do this. Would everybody stick their right arm straight out with their finger pointing to the wall? Now, I'd like you to take your hand and your arm, and I'd like you to be able to touch that finger to your nose. Now, this is such a simple thing, and you guys look like idiots. Can I just say that? Can I just say that? (laughs) It's a simple action, right? But do you realize how many muscles and nerves and bones and, and, and how many thoughts it took for that just to happen? And none of you stopped and said, okay, we're gonna be moving the arm. Let's get this figured out. Everybody line up, right? If you have the ability to move your right arm, you're able to put it out, point at the wall, bring your finger to your nose without telling it to do so. It just responds. <laughs> Jesus begins to help us understand that while he was and is the physical representation of God, that the now the representation of God's work in the world is now the body of Christ, the church. And so as individuals, as congregations, as movements throughout our world, we all are seen as extremities. We're all extensions of the body of Christ living out, and every one of us matters. That's why this illustration is so important. Because when you think about it and the part that it plays and the the, the way that things play out, you begin to realize that there is a specific purpose unless we are all united together, the body does does not function like it's supposed to. Paul goes on to really just say that not all gifts are the same, but all gifts are essential. Uh, sometimes I'll, I hang out with people here at the church and I'll encourage them to do something. Or, what is your gifts? How do, how do you connect? How could you best serve? And you know what the number one response is from people who are yeah, not just new to the church, but are connected here? It's, I don't have anything to offer. I, I don't know what I could do. And so oftentimes we start with different roles of serving and connecting. And oftentimes people will then say their truer answer often. I don't really want to do that. I'm not really comfortable doing that. Paul's saying that we all need to serve because God's gifted us that way. And that what we don't have the ability to do maybe on our own, because of God's spirit, we can begin to use those gifts. And so I'm going to press into a few of us today. Can we do this? You have much to offer to this world. You have much to offer to this church. And when as Christians we fight for our independence and autonomy and our lack of connection and service, we are fighting against the very nature of God to grow his church and his kingdom. You know, cells that go rampant in the body, we know what we call those, right? It's just a cell that wants to grow and do its own thing but it begins to function outside of its intention. And it can can devastate a body. I want you to think about this for a moment. The church is about unity, 
not uniformity. You don't have to use the gift that I have. You don't have to do the things that I do. But doggone it, if we have surrendered our life to Christ, don't we owe it to Jesus and his sacrifice to give our life, our gifts and our talents back to him? Yeah, I think we do. I think we do. Paul goes on to talk about these things, about all these parts, and uh, they're so different. They don't, they don't gang up with each, against each other. They actually work together. They don't isolate themselves, but they actually embrace each other. They, uh, they, they, don't, they don't start excluding or cutting out, but they actually start engaging and embracing and finding their place with each other. Here's what he says in verse 24, starting in the second half. But God has put this body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that the parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you Yes, say, say that means me. Each one of you should be a part of it. I was having a conversation with Joel this morning. I wanted to check and see how things were going in his life and while they've come back to the States and while they're kind of gaining uh, relationships and resources and support as they get ready to go over to Africa once again to Kenya to begin to serve in the way that they are. But he had to have knee surgery. He had to have knee surgery, and funny thing is, when you have knee surgery, you can't walk on it as soon as you get done. And he said these words to me today, it's funny how quickly atrophy sets in. I don't think he meant it was a joke. I think he meant it's, it's ironic. It's a natural response that the body, when not being used, sets into atrophy. Friends. Friends. Don't be an atrophied muscle. Can we say that, right? You have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities, and God is, is empowering every single one of us for his glory and for his honor. And when we begin to realize that we have such a privilege because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the empowerment of his spirit, to be leveraged in a way that not only changes today, but changes all of eternity, why would we not sign up and say, God, plug me in with a church, plug me into a family, use my gifts, get me engaged, and may you be praised. Why wouldn't we say that? Truth of the matter is, is this. Every gift must work together for the sake of God and others. Every gift. Every gift. Every good, every gift must work together for the sake of God and others. So let me just break this sentence down a little bit, can we? Every, even the smallest, even the, the, the most seemingly insignificant gift is essential in God's kingdom. Must. Without you, we fail. This passage tells me when everybody gives their gift, no matter how big or how small, we all win together. I like to win, don't you? Do I need to do an illustration about Illini football right now and what it means to win? Is it, did I go from preaching to meddling? Come on now, you know what I'm saying? When everybody does their part, everybody win. We like to win. We hate to lose. We hate to lose. Work. Your gift is meant to be exercised. <laughs> we have talents, we have abilities, 
As a matter of fact, God encourages those who have talents. He tells a story about people who have talents, and he says, put those to use. Don't bury it. Don't put it to the side. Don't, don't show up in heaven and say, hey, God, thanks for this gift. It was really nice. Well, how did it benefit you? I don't know, but it's really nice, and it sits on my shelf. That's not what God's trying to say. <laughs> if God has gifted you, can I, can I tell you something? about? If God has gifted you and you don't use it, do you know what happens spiritually? God takes it and gives it to somebody else. God takes it and gives it to somebody else. If God gives you a gift and the need is accomplished, that gift may begin to grow and begin to build momentum and begin to have greater impact and other people may recognize uh, their gifts in the midst of it. If God gives you gifts for his purposes, you'll find that sometimes they even change that at one life stage you're using these certain gifts, but now you have children. And while you used to be gifted this way, now you seem to succeed in this. And while you're succeeding in this, your, your kids get older and then they move out of the house and then you find yourself motivated to something else. Because this is the rule with spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are God's choice to give everyone. And so God gifts you according to your mission, according to your relationships, according to your life stage, according to all the unique different things about you. God is prepared to equip you so that the world might be blessed and he might be glorified. Every work together. I've... I've I may have been a little mean this morning. I'm apologized if I've hurt anybody's feelings. Please don't send an email. <laughs> but let me just say this. It's together that this happens. And there are many of you that stand in open doors to welcome people every Sunday morning. <laughs> there are people in this building that hold babies, that set out the bagels. Some of our earliest volunteers are here before 6 o'clock in the morning. Do you know that? Making sure that you have what you want and need to gather with us today. Some people will be here actually till about one o'clock today, closing down, making sure that things are wrapped up the way that you want. There are people who meet in their homes that extend their houses and their relationships to love the people around them. That's what the body does for the sake of God and for the sake of others. <laughs> I think it's annoying. I think it's annoying when a board game misses a piece. And I think it might be annoying to God. If I can say that, does God get annoyed? That's a whole other theological discussion we'll have another day. But I think God gets annoyed when we don't use our gifts. So let me, let me give you this illustration. You ever played mousetrap? Would you raise your hand if you played mousetrap? Yeah. Yeah. How many families played it for a week, and then after a week you lost, lost too many parts and had to throw it out? Yeah. Yeah. My children must have visited your home. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, every piece, every part has to work together for it to succeed. You know, if you lose the ball and you try and find another one, if it's not the right size and the right weight, sometimes it just, it ruins everything. 
Sometimes if you take that stand that the trap is supposed to fall down on and you use it for other things, you know, somewhere, uh, you know, a lightsaber fight breaks out or pirates start climbing, you, you wear that out and it can't hold the trap. It's, it's not as fun just to drop the trap at the end. You know what I'm saying? Every piece has its place. Every part has its purpose. We may be different, but it's the same God, the same spirit. It's us working together for God's glory. We don't want to be somebody else. We won't, uh, don't want to sit around complaining about what could have happened or might have happened. We don't want to be the kind of people that say, oh, not me, not me, not me. Hey, friends, we're not, I, I hate to break your opinions, but we're not simply valuing us and our talent. We are valuing God's work to change the world. And so when you get that in your mind, that it's God at work, God's purpose, you begin to realize, oh, what a great testimony. That somebody like me, no matter the size of my gift, makes an eternal impact. Some of you may say, I, I'm not really sure if I've got any spiritual gifts or not. So let me just say this. And we've put a, a resource page together on our website at fcc-online.org. Yeah, that's right. At, at Habits. And each week we're going to update resources, things that you can help take next steps in these opportunities. And there is a thing called a spiritual gift test. If you've never taken a spiritual gift test, I would love for you to do that and, and email us your results. We'd love to find a way, and especially if you're not serving, we'd love to take those gifts and put them to work and encourage you how you might be able to, to sign up and be a part of First Serve and how to learn what's going on in this church and how we can jump into this fall with every one of us, every one of us using our gifts. Maybe you took a spiritual gift a long time ago, a spiritual gifts test a long time ago, and you're like, ah, I've done that. Can I encourage you to take it again? Your circumstances your maturity, your life stage has probably shifted. Maybe some things were used and they've matured to a point that there's, there could be greater stewardship and responsibility for you to take a next step in that gift. Or, or maybe at some point certain gifts quit being used or needed and, and now God's raising up something different in you that you've kind of been like, well, I, I had no idea that God wanted to do that in my life. Take this test. I know saying the word test, half of us are cringing, you know, and thinking about high school, but find out who you are. Have a, and if you've never done anything like this as a Christ follower and you're like, okay, I took this test and this doesn't make sense, call the church office. We'll get you an elder, we'll get you a staff person, and we'll sit down and say, okay, let's, let's talk about how this applies. I got these gifts. I don't know how I got these gifts. I don't think I can do this. What if you could do this? Nine times out of ten, what happens is people take a spiritual gifts test and they say, huh, that's me. That's me. And we find a place for people to serve very naturally. Paul finishes this chapter with a simple statement. It doesn't seem like much when we say it outside of its context, but uh, let me say it to you real quick. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 13, the last half. He says this. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. The chapter that comes after chapter 12 is chapter 13, right? Some of you are really struggling with that, right? 
I get it. Chapter 13 is the one that everybody reads at the weddings, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Right? Paul says this. When you are empowered by the Spirit, gifted by the Spirit, to be leveraged for God's glory and God's honor, and you realize the gifts that you are about to steward, the best context to do those in is love. It's to love. You using your gifts and allowing God to use you allows you to love God differently than what you already do. It allows you to ironically love yourself. You begin to become who God created you to be and you begin to love the world more differently because now it's not just about, oh, I felt bad. Oh, I should do this. Oh, my work group is doing that. It's this is who I am. This who God is who God has called me to be. This is how God is changing the world around me. I'm a part of that because of love, because of his love, because of our love for God. Let's move to a time of response. We started with this idea that God's the one who gives these gifts. And so I've got some questions I want to just kind of massage into us as we step into our time of response today as a church. I think it's important for us to ask, are you on the team, right? Some of us have to start with, have we had a transformative change in our lives? Have we had God change our lives? Or have we had a religious experience where we learned how to stand when we were supposed to stand, sing when we're supposed to sing, be nice to those we're supposed to be nice to, and stop saying all those crazy bad words that we said when we were young? Are you on the team? Have you given your life to Christ? That's, that's what we're banking all of this on. Not on the lights or the fog or the great songs or an incredible building or a chance to have great kid programs or student program. It's this, that Jesus Christ died on our behalf, that he paid the price for our sins and through his death, his burial and resurrection, he conquered the power of sin and death. He gives us new life. He gives us the forgiveness of sins. He empowers us for all of eternity and everything of our lives and all that we are is not for our own, but it's for God's glory and for the world's blessing. That's what it's about. I want to encourage you to get on the team. You know, oftentimes when people talk about Jesus and his walk, there's a point in his life where they talk about his ministry beginning. And you know where it was? At his baptism. A demarcation of fulfilling all righteousness, to be the example of all examples, to be the obedient one before all of us, to understand what a sacrificial servant life looks like, is Jesus. And I want to, join you, I want to invite you to join our team. Many of you in this room have joined our team. But the question is, are you on the bench? Now let me speak pastorally a little bit for a second. It can be intimidating to serve and use your gifts. Whether it's in the walls of this building or whether it's out in the community that we're a part of. It can be. And let's not kid ourselves. The world that we're a part of Well, it can be tough to live our faith out. 
But the truth of the matter is, the difference between being on the bench and being in the bleachers is just a matter of feet. And God did not call us to be spectators. He called us to be prepared to get our bottoms and backsides off the bench and use our gifts. Friends, I love you. But some days, some days we think about what this church might be and we're short of volunteer. We're short of leader. We're short of helper. We're short of something that we want to extend a ministry out to because we don't have people engaged. I want to invite you to get off the bench, maybe even grab that connection card and look at it today and just go, I should probably serve up for something, whether it's first serve to come visit us and take a tour around our facility, see how people, or, or whether it's just to say, hey, I think I like people. Do you have anything that helps me welcome people? Yeah, yeah, we got that. I like kids. We got that. Uh, maybe we don't have something. Maybe God's raising you up to help us take a new step. Are you on the team? Are you on the bench? Or are you in the game? Friends, there are, there are stories I get the privilege to hear about on a regular basis. Friends who work for, for Crew, it's a ministry to our college students that are reaching internationals and local students. They're leveraging their lives on a regular basis. And they're seeing the global potential of how loving your neighbor reaches the other side of the world. We've got friends like Joel, who three years ago, he and his wife moved. Uh, for their parents, that means they they took their parents' grandkids to the other side of the pond. And some of us would be like, oh dear, I can't believe they do that. And on the other hand, two parents said, if this is what my gifts are, and this is who God's called me to be, why wouldn't this be what we want to do as a family? We have elders elders, people who lead our church that cut out little things for children to do on Sunday mornings and answer the phones for us. Not because that's the only thing they can do, but because they have time and they go, we, we can help whatever you need. And we have students. Students who play drums. Students who have abilities in technology who uh, back in the day when I couldn't set a VCR, the first thing I do is call a junior hire. You know what I'm saying? They can do things. Your giftedness is not about your talent or your ability or your fears or your past experiences. It's about God's gift in you to work through you. And the people that have stepped up and the people that have stepped out, thank you. But every step matters. And maybe your first step is to get on the team. Maybe your next step is to get on the bench and learn the game. Or maybe you're ready to step into the game and play. But we all need to learn this life of love 
for God's glory and the world's blessing. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. And we're going to do a quick responsive reading. I'm going to read some words. They're going to be in white. You're going to read the words that they're in yellow. And they're from Galatians chapter 5. And what's happening in this moment is Paul has shifted from his Corinthian conversation about gifts. And he's talking about expressing this with God's spirit through God's character. So I'll read the words on the white. You'll read the words in yellow. Let's read them. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What a challenge, huh? Simple words. Let me pray a quick prayer for us, and then we'll get ready to respond. God, may it be so. Your spirit in us, in rhythm with your will and your way. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new to FIRST, we want to encourage you. This is kind of different for us. We've, we, we move at this point. Music's going to begin to play, and when people are comfortable and when they're ready, many will come up to these stations up here where there are benches, and they'll, they'll pray, oftentimes saying thanks for the gift that God has given them. Maybe today asking courage to put to use the gifts that God's given them. Uh, maybe even encourage them to ask, would somebody put me in a spot to use my gifts? Or maybe they'll just pray about what's going on in their life. We will go to these stations. There are six of them around the room. Two in the front, two on the side, two in the back. There's a candle that's there, and you'll see that there are these trays. They have bread and they have juice on them. And they are a declaration of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. See, the bread represents that his body was broken, and the juice represents that his blood was shed. It was the payment for our sin. It was the payment for our life everlasting. And it's an open invitation to anyone who believes in that sacrifice that they would come, they would eat the bread and drink the juice, and they would both celebrate and commemorate in their lives what God has done and God is doing. People will come and do that when they're ready. And then we have these give and respond boxes. There's four of them, two to the side and two to the back. And oftentimes people take their connection card, maybe they write a prayer on it or maybe they write a faith decision on it or a next step that they want to take and they put those in those respond boxes to take a next step or to give of their finances. Because all that we have and all that we are is a gift from God. And so we respond by giving back or using the Give app to express an obedience that God is working in and through us as well. Friends, as the music plays and you begin to sing, May each of us choose to respond in a way that best stewards our obedience back to God.